You're now listening to the Open Africa podcast with Laulu, Nosa, and Furo. Before we go into today's episode, we want to issue, would I say, an apology? Because <laughs> we've been talking about releasing the Yahoo episode for the longest time. However, um, we had a couple of challenges with the audio recording. Um, Laulu, do you do you want to talk a bit about that? Uh, sure. In very simple terms, the audio was, I mean, it was crappy. It was decent, um, but we had an agreement with the anonymous guest that we were going to distort his voice. And we found out there was no way to do that without wrecking the, wrecking the clarity of the recording. Um, so... It didn't make any sense to put it out there anymore. Um, it was difficult to follow. There was a lot of um, background noise. So it was very difficult to manage. Um, that said, I think what we're just going to do is put out um, a post explaining some of the things that he said. And if there's an opportunity to maybe tweet out or include snippets um of like some of the things that he said and then if there are portions that are clear then we'll do that i think that's like a a good place to, <laughs> a good place to land yeah. also people have been um, out of the country too hence why we're <laughs> at remote today oh yeah i'm coming to you guys from florence international gang all right, so let's Everybody get right into it. Uh, please, 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 please. Twenty twenty two, boss. I'm thirty plus. Anything goes at this point. Um, okay, so very quickly, we'll start with Union Fifty Four and the impact on the, I guess, Nigerian tech ecosystem with regards to people that were providing like dollar cards. Um, yeah, dollar cards really. So I'm sure we also like all the emails that went out from providers in the last couple of like last in, yeah, that got went out for providers anyways, um, notifying their customers that they will no longer be able to provide um cards, like dollar denominated cards, um, which and like obviously impacted most people. Um, I don't know. Laudo Nosa, do you want to talk a bit yeah. about this? I think Nosa should give us a bit of a background as to like who Union 54 is and why does that matter to, to this ecosystem? So Union 54, they're like a Zambian startup. Um, they, they originally started out as a, also called it, like a digital bank in Zambia. Uh, then they got like a MasterCard principal membership and they issued their own cards. And I think there wasn't the startup itself, like Zazu wasn't getting too much traction. So he, the guys decided to like pivot into card issuing a bit like, like Marketa in America before there's that familiar. And yeah, then now 
So before when he before he even started or before Futsal was also used to do Futsal was also used to do virtual cards through I mean three 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 months everybody knows knows that uh, I think they I mean it wasn't the most stable service they had lots of issues with their provider um, and again a lot of the virtual cards in the industry or people that are issuing dollar cards were all issuing Flutterwave at that point. Like the way you do all leveraging on Flutterwave. So I think Flutterwave moved over to Union 54 and a lot of those customers kind of that they had kind of followed. I don't know if they were going off were going through Flutterwave or they had direct relationships with Union 54. I'm not sure, but I think that that's kind of how the, the intro kind of went. Um, so Union 54, I think they had a lot, there was lots of chargeback fraud and Apparently, according to some releases, the mo- is for a particular bin range or for a particular provider, Mastercard had never seen that amount of chargeback fraud because again, sorry, what's chargeback fraud? In this area there's so it's when what's it called? You buy something, you buy something, you say you didn't get value, and you like log a chargeback and more or less the either the merchant has to pay back or something you know when, people, when your pos is declined but you get debited and report to your bank that's essentially a chargeback then your bank now has to investigate and go to the other the person that issued the pos and they will go to their customer and say oh provide the receipt for this transaction yada yada, yada. if you can provide the receipts then they log it against you and they debit your position that's more or less like that's a chargeback. So with chargeback fraud is fraudulent chargebacks. So I mean, sometimes you see with Nigerian cards, someone use, uses their card, they say, oh, they didn't get value, and they reach out to their bank. Their bank pushes it, and because there are windows to like accept or decline, sometimes due to inefficiencies, you can get a bank or the person that owns the POS can get charged for that kind of transaction because they didn't respond on time. So it's like chargeback fraud is essentially just fraud around chargeback, give or take. So with Union 54, uh, their MasterCard basically said that they haven't seen this level of chargeback fraud from like a single provider, at least in such a period of time. Um, and it was just it was just sustainable. And it tends to happen once they're reviewing. Um, I mean, with CUDA, we used to do international card funding and there was lots of chargeback fraud around that. And Paystack reached out to us and was like, yeah, unless we find a solution, you guys are going to have to, we're going to have to turn off the service for you guys. Uh, and we were like, you know what, this is more stress than, it, than it's worth and we shut off the service. So a lot of, a lot of those things happen between like processors, payment gateways, etc., etc. And it just becomes stressful for everybody because nobody wants to lose money because of some random scammer. And it's better to decline service to a particular region, especially if you're not making that much money from that region. Decline service to a particular provider if it's not a big provider than just try and find a solution to it. So I'm guessing that's what has happened to Union 54 based at least based on what I've seen, what we saw on TechCrunch. I mean, the owners kept saying that there was some audit thing, but it's not a typical audit in the sense. It's not, it's not an audit. It's more give, yeah. come up with a way where you're going to prevent these chargebacks. Come back to us and tell us how you're going to prevent these chargebacks. 
like these chargeback frauds like happening going forward. And if we agree, we'll turn on the service for you. That's most likely what it was. Yeah, because if it was an audit, I don't see why they would have to turn off the service. Like things get audited all the time. They let transactions go on. It's only if they are like really bad audit findings before they then turn off um, the service if necessary. But to turn it off preemptively is a or something else. So I think it's just like wrong choice of language. Uh, founder probably just wanted to dumb it down for civilians and just called it an audit. But obviously, some people that do know better call bullshit on it. But that's kind of how it works. Interesting. So basically, people have gone from because I know, like in, when I worked in the branch, you'd have people do fraud, like withdraw money from their bank accounts and then claim that they didn't um, do it and start trying to redeem get that money off the bank right and so like doing it online with the volumes i'm sure that's why there's so much concern around it and why you know 54 has had to make like the hard decision to like switch off nigeria essentially right because i can only imagine the volumes that were that they were dealing with um on a day-to-day basis yeah so no, go ahead, no, sir. Uh, there's a whole underbelly of like fraud related to like international cards, or even no, maybe not. Maybe it's maybe not fraud per se, but it, it does. It's kind of fraud to be fair. Like people looking for arbitrage opportunities and rates and all that kind of things, using it. So once you launch like any of these foreign cards, like a card service in Nigeria, you're going to have lot. Your first users are going to be people that are trying to like find some loophole or so arbitrage opportunity to like shank your systems i mean dash has had it mtn has had it anyone that's a fintech in the last as long as you launch they're going to hit you hard first they're looking for arbitrage opportunities so a lot of these things kind of exist you see people using the card on crypto websites using it on this thing high high decline high decline what's it called volume Guys are hustling, that's all I can say. The country's hard, so people are hustling and Jeez. it leaves room for lots of bad actors. It leaves room for lots of bad actors. I mean, it's from the startup or from the founder perspective, when you're looking at the numbers, they all look good, but if you don't really know your users or know what they're doing, you kind of... Um, anyway, there's, we'll probably have to have like a longer episode on the relationship between fraud and fintech startups because contrary to what a lot of fintech people actually believe they have a very very close relationship they just don't know their users yet but yeah yeah i guess that's why like real kyc is super important but beyond that um are there any startups that have like have direct relationships with union 54 or is everything just flutter wave concentration risk that impacted them that, I don't know, it's a bit hard to tell. It's a bit hard to tell if they were doing it directly, you know, 54 or was they were going through Flutterway. But a lot of people that I know that were using Flutterway's API suddenly transitioned to Union 54. So I'm guessing either Flutterway introduced them or they were going through Flutterway. Either way, it was a natural thing. Like, if you now look at the guys that are not affected, so wallets is not affected, cheaper cash is not affected. And 
Chibakash and Wallace um, have their, their own card issuing relationships are very different. Like Chipakash, I think they use Rails Bank. Um, cause I think because you have to sign before you get the USD card. I think that's that was one of the some disclosure that you have or some legal thing that you had to agree to. And it was from Pairnets, which is a subsidiary of Rails Bank in the UK. Uh you um Wallet Zone, I know they got into a visa accelerator. Once they came out of that visa accelerator, GTP, they got like a license of sorts from Visa. GTP is their processor, and I think UBS the settlement bank. So they don't have that concentration risk. Like I like I was telling you guys before the call, a lot of this thing is is exposure. Is the most the reason why a lot of guys are affected is because the first first, first port of call they went to was Flutterwave. And Flutterwave, you know, ecosystem daddy has been doing all these things for a lot of people. So whatever yes. risk they have, you are also taking on. Yeah, just to point out that in all of this, Clasha turned the $22 I had left inside my inside my card with them that I couldn't get out into into less than 4,000 Naira. Like, forcible, for, they forcibly converted that money and sent it back to me. I just need people to know that that's not right because that's not CBN rate, has not been CBN rate for the last how many years. But it's all right. I'm not too upset. You clearly are. <laughs> you clearly are. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I guess on topic of Flutter Wave, um, seeing the headlines in, in terms of what's happening in Kenya, so a couple of, let's say, Nigerian fintech companies are facing fraud allegations in Kenya. So Flutter Wave, Cora Pay, I can't remember who else. Um, and there's, I guess, there's some, what I say, there are two sides in terms of like the story, right? So some people are saying that, so some people are, yeah, hinting that until you've done business in Kenya, you can't really judge because you know, Kenya regulators are, you know, if it's, I don't want to say the word dodgy, but that's the only word that comes to mind. Um, and then on the other hand, you know, people are, are like asking, so what, what licenses do these organizations have to operate in Kenya, right? And so, you know, the regulators are in the right to clamp down on them and basically call them fraudulent entities because they're not properly licensed. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to hear you guys' thoughts. I think if you're operating in financial services within a market and you don't have the right regulatory licenses, um, especially if you, you start doing significant volumes or you are an established player across other markets. Anything your eyes see, I think you should take it like that because we all know that this industry is, is regulated for a reason. I think we've established that on this, um, on this podcast, um, especially when you're a big player. When you're small and you're riding under the radar, sure, by all means, use that opportunity to grow um get your users you know chart out your roadmap and and begin to build towards it but once you start you know getting to a point of critical mass i think it's only right that you align with the with the regulator 
um, especially if other companies your sides are, are doing it successfully um, or if you are a big player from the get-go and you're entering another market you can't just be flying under the radar it's not going to work i remember when um asa finance came into nigeria is it asa finance or aza finance that their name is very source but i digress um and they went to the cbm to to go and seek out a pssp license i don't think they ever got that license because the maybe because of their crypto affiliations i know they were trying to get i think a pssp license was what they were trying to get um but the fact is that they themselves recognize that look if we're going to operate in this market and not have chest pain every day then we we need to align or at least get something that lets the regulator look at us and look away um as opposed to the regulator being like who is that person and how are they doing what they are doing those those are my own two cents yeah i don't know i just feel like if you are big or you are getting big then you need to align so that we stop hearing all these stories so my thing is a, a lot of people i don't think they understand that some of the activity they are doing is unregulated uh, i think the last the last couple of years with like vc money pumping in it has encouraged like cowboy behavior and people are being very reckless uh, in, in like in fact despite I, I mean they don't recognize that they're offering financial services i mean on the other day you're seeing somebody that is offering you a usd account from nigeria doing billboards on i'll be doing flag banners on body on i'll be glove be a body loan. and i'm just looking at it like does this guy does not know that he's drawing unnecessary attention to himself because once cbn has your time to realize that they'll drill down and point out that it's unlicensed activity and all of you that are involved are going to go to are going to get lots of shit i mean even flutter has been getting lots of shit from cbn they've they've wiggled their way around it in ways i cannot speak of on speak of on this board but yeah so it's a very cowboy approach to entry to behaving i don't think any of these guys are licensed in that country i mean i i know flutter didn't start out like maybe they have a license now but they didn't start out licensed in kenya because that was even that um claire odero i forgot her name when she was that horrible boss's incident when they when she called our courts about how a lot of the stuff was in her name so i mean it's like just imagine payout for a particular company is coming from one person's investor account by the time they drill down and say oh because obviously fraud will happen and when they're investigating the fraud or they're investigating the aml violation you now discover that ah, this person that's that's at fault. Because if you look at the piece on it, it's like there are lots of personal, random business accounts that are listed as frozen. It's not like oh, it's sometimes official account is oh, this random company with what's it called, with shareholders that staff of Flutterwave was just frozen. I had something something billion in it. This, it's very wild cowboy behavior. And again, like I'm guessing now that economy is tough and VCs are no longer funding like that again, maybe everybody will be responsible about how they approach business and it won't be grand grand. 
because I mean regulators can be harsh, but they are there to protect the end user and they're to protect the economy for good reason. It's not like they're not trying to be ops by default, but people are are do, doing dodgy things, which is this is really a good segue to that for that Ping Express mm-hmm. issue where the DOJ, the guys are going to sleep inside a cell because they're running an unlicensed mo- uh, money transmission business, which is bad. Then their unlicensed money transmission business was used to facilitate fraud. Like lots of romance scam people were using Ping Express to move money. It's bad enough that your business is unlicensed and you're doing things that you're not allowed to do. Then you now don't have the checks and controls in the name of chasing volumes. You don't put enough checks and controls to stop fraudsters from getting into your system. And now you are, after battling, they said they've been battling for three years. Now they are going to sell for money, for facilitating money laundry, whatever, whatever. It's not a good look for anybody. I mean, but anyway, as far as I'm concerned, that's not an African startup. That's a US startup. Just African founders. <laughs> With African founders. Let's distance ourselves. Oh my days. No, but I think that I remember we did an episode a couple of months ago, just like spending time talking about the need for like founders to like just pause and think about like governance, right? Governance, putting in place proper compliance measures, understanding what your regulatory like regulatory environment looks like and how to navigate that regulatory environment and just realizing that there are end users that are being affected by whatever it is that you're building. And so just understanding that responsibility and taking it seriously and putting in place measures to, you know, protect their platforms and also protect like users of their platforms. Because if you look away from like, if you, if you take away from, if you had to put it, beyond the businesses being affected, right. With all these sanctions and all of that people that, have gotten accustomed to using their platforms to you know maybe send money to people or what have you are now being impacted and they're having to find like alternative means to do you know their transactions people that have been using like i don't know all the union 54 cards for instance to pay for things abroad or what what have you and now kind of you know having to shop around for new solutions so there's a real cost to these things um, and I understand the hunger to grow your number so that your VCs can be happy. Um, but it's the same VCs that will now be looking at you asking you what you've been doing since. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I also think that guys in, guys in financial services particularly need to be like extra careful. Um, I, I don't think I shared with you guys, but I saw, I saw Nib's fraud numbers um like nibs there was one report like this that i saw on fraud and i i did i did not understand what i was looking at the sheer number of people that are attempting to use platforms to defraud people or run run fraudulent schemes it is insane so you are there you're building an application you're trying to get users and you're very lax with your controls you don't see the purpose in in kyc um, I, there was one day I saw one guy tweeting that why do we need address verification? And I was just looking at him like, you don't know anything. So if you're going to go into that business line, I, I think understanding that, yes, I'm serving people, but there is 
a significant number of bad actors out there you know having that mindset may not necessarily be a bad thing um just just something you should know as you proceed maybe it'll help people be more measured and be less cowboys like musa said i mean look at what's it called piggy vest and i beg like this whole rebrand to pockets getting a mobile money license etc that's essentially them growing up because they were getting lots of shit from i mean they were not regulated onto this and they were holding deposits it went bust everybody's money is missing now everybody's money is gone like even this the address verification thing you mentioned is somebody scams you and you report to police or you report to whatever for them to arrest the person they're going to go to the bank and say where's give us the way this lives so they can track so they can track the person down if you didn't do any address verification you didn't do good enough address verification then that case is dead or liabilities on you they are the main difference and exactly the fraudsters have scammed somebody of million million they moved it to your platform from your platform they split the they they consumed the money or they withdrew the money then you cannot find anything like there's a even op op has there's a lot of fraud that goes through op agents you scam somebody you go to move it to a no bvn op accounts you go to an op agent and withdraw as soon as you draw that cash, that money is missing. All OP can do is point to the agents. The agents will be like, ah, I do plenty of withdrawals every day. Sometimes those agents sleep inside self because they're seen as partners in crime, despite if they're just conduits. So a lot of the things that we that cause user friction or with things that we don't look or see as important are there for a reason. Because I mean, it's all fun and good because you are not getting scammed. But the day you get scammed and you're trying to recover that money, you realize why, oh, you need to do this. If you verify the guy's address, you know, this guy lives here at this street and you can send police and police can go there and lock him up and collect your money so he sleeps inside. So yeah. otherwise, yeah. Like people don't do pay, like, okay, verification, like they don't do BVN or something. And somebody comes on your platform and opens an account as GT Bank back. And they start doing fake loan on fake loan scam on Facebook. Now, they, maybe they collect hundred k before you catch it. The people that have lost that hundred k, that's probably their entire money. Once they start investigating, you come to you your platform and like, oh, who is GT Bank Bank? Oh, we didn't really collect anything. There's no profile picture. The email address is disposable. The phone number is just one random phone number because we didn't send OTP to verify the phone number. There's no address on file. That money has gone ghost into the system. Yeah, and I think that it's important to note that the reason why like organizations still have this responsibility right now is because when you look at it, I'll speak mostly about Nigeria. There's no like we don't have solid databases where people's addresses are stored. So if the police want to do an investigation, they can, I don't know, go to wherever maybe driver's license agency or what have you and get people's addresses and track them down so the onus is on you know platforms to actually be responsible um because i mean just understanding the market that you play in and playing responsibly responsibly in the market is like super super important just to also add that recent events on this matter of bvn validation i think recent events have even made me question 
that tier one wallet, no BVN thing. It's a problem. Recently, a friend of mine was impersonated. Um, they went on her profile, saw her friends, opened a pound pay wallet in her in her name, um, and then sent a message. Like they used a WhatsApp number to send a message to someone who had her phone number in her profile who frequently left comments on her um, frequently left comments on her page. So they went to that one, sent a WhatsApp message to that one's number, pretending to be her, and got her to send 50,000 to my friend, friend in air quotes. Um, of course, 50K because of those um, tier one limits where you can have up to, you can do up to 50K. Pound pay accounts. And the person cleared it out, then came back a second time, saying that she will that she has been having issues with her with her bank accounts, that they should send her an, another 50k. They collected 100k from that babe easy because they the fraudster was able to send a pound pay account number or pound pay wallet number in her full government name to a friend. At this point in time, I don't, honestly, I don't care about financial inclusion like that. If you don't have BVN, you should not be accessing financial services. Because the SANEF guys are out there in the trenches in Northern Nigeria, all over the place, onboarding people into BVN. So if you don't have BVN in 2022, I don't think you should be experienced, you should be enjoying financial services because guys are still using it to, to socially engineer and rip people off. See, there's another one. Um, I, I don't know if Spotibet has fixed it, but before you could do Spotibet, you could do withdrawals to Spotibet as long as the name on the Spotibet account matches the name on the account. Now, someone, you have your card linked to your Spotibet, someone hacks into your Spotibet, funds, use your, empties your card in funding the Spotibet wallet. From the Spotibet wallet, they do a withdrawal to an account that is in the same name, a no BVN account that is in the same name as your as your Spotify account. Withdraw it, move that money out from whatever from the no BVN platform. And that's it. That's a that's a like level of fraud. I remember when you when you brought it to Spotify, Spotify said that it's not it's not their issue to fix. I don't know if they've changed their position, but that's that's how it was. All the the only validation they did was that the name on the account that the bank on the bank account must match name on the Spotify account. That as one. Even the BVN registration, even the SANF agent, we've seen, I've seen incidents of fake BVN. Not even like, like real BVN with dummy data, like with synthetic data. Like say, we even we emailed names about it recently. And it's like in some region where for in the northern region, well, so there are a lot of amputees and disabled people, they don't do thumbprint. So a, a guy can basically register like 100 BVNs with like gibberish on it and with no form of validation, but it's nothing that's unique. Jesus on Christ. And use those accounts as, and use those accounts with valid BVNs to open accounts everywhere and use it to do fraud. Are we using the amputees for fraud now? Where do we draw the line? What's going on? No. See, there's 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 a there's a particular I think there's because I think it was Katsina that was like the biggest one. It's a particular um because you know they they have like 
codes or something to identify the place where it did BVN. And there was one where it's like a zero 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 or something, or three zeros or four zeros. And a lot of that shit happened there. I hear that Niger State yeah. too is notorious. There's like a syndicate there that their work is just to test, test fintech platforms and find exploits that they can use to defraud people. That's why these MTN on self, I hear yeah. that a lot of it originated well, in that area. Yeah. There are telegram groups for these things. Like, I mean, some of these telegram groups where they drop the latest updates, like the latest scam. And the MTN one, there was even there was that glitch where they were funding, but there was also a fundamental thing on their own body where what's it called? You didn't you they didn't verify as long as the number was linked to NIM, they just assumed that everything was fine. So there's a guy I know that got his sent from some random guy on the street and when you open his mtn account is that is in that guy's name so essentially i can rob somebody if they have an mtn account i can create an mtn account i can send messages to the entire contact list and say please i'm broke send me money and they will send money to that account because it's the same name and to come up in validation well i mean yeah, I, I think they're learning tough lessons because obviously they were probably trying to do faster onboarding and beat the banks, but then... Fuhuri is not tough lesson. This is tough money. <laughs> <laughs> that money is not, they, it's not they, what you used to how, how many million? Uh, how many million that they sent? Um, they sent legal letter to like almost all the banks that the bank should refund their money that it was collected fraudulently, something, something, something. It's like, well, that's you must be new in this industry. You must be new in this industry. Just take your L and keep I don't blame them. If it was me, I would do the same thing. I don't remember uh-huh. the specific amount, but I think it was, is it 20 billion naira or something ridiculous like that? The total exploits. Uh, wait, no, as they written the letter, the anybody answered them. <laughs> the the banks head. told them that they are going to have to go to court that they are not just exactly. going to refund money. So they are exactly. arguing it in yeah, court because, right now as we speak. Because, because, yeah, the banks have no, as far as they are concerned, with the legitimate transactions, it's not on them to check that MTN services are, are up or are vulnerable. Yeah. A lot of right. these things, is out of, it's out of the kindness of your heart that you can recover. I can tell you one story. Uh, push some, something, something stupid to prod. And I think you could withdraw more than you had in your account. This thing was only lasted one hour, maybe between like three and four a.m. And it was over a hundred million that they lost. And they had to email in the money for the banks. Please, can I aid recovery money as can I put in the account? Let us do recalls. You think that you? Huh? It was instead of telling bank that was affected. Wow. You have you have to beg. It's that you beg at. Please help us recover. And these emails come every day. Every bank is sending it. This wrong, uh, wrong transaction over transact over over, over sense money. MTN will find out that they better their fraud team better know other people, other fraud teams that can WhatsApp and say, "I beg, bro, PNT this account. I'll tell you where the money." <laughs> honestly, honestly, you will run it with relationships. You can't come and raise your shoulder. <laughs> it's bros, please PND this account. You say you don't do fraud. You say yes, you don't do fraud. You say yeah, now no wala. 
that's how you run it. But if you want to be writing threatening letters, you are new in the industry. There's a reason why bankers know themselves. All of them know themselves. You see them talking. You say, ah, this person used to be in Union Bank. Why? Maybe there was a time it's been needed an account PND. <laughs> so we reached out to the guy. I know the guy. I mean, all these loan companies that do what's it called that you, all you have to do is link debit card. I can go create, um, get a virtual account, virtual debit card, virtual card, link it to your platform, collect the loan, cancel the card. Nice. No. Oh, yeah. Very that quickly, Losa, let's talk about mm-hmm. your. You guys are suddenly started collecting stamp duty. It's not just the carbon as well, a couple of others. Well, I think with stamp duty, my, microfinance banks are a great area because they are not exactly, they are deposit taking, but they are not deposit taking. You have to have a corresponding bank that collects your deposit. So you are not holding the money. You don't have a vote per se like that where you're holding. This is another bank that's holding the money for you. So they've always operated in that gray area where they are kind of stamp duty exempt. But as country is hungry, country is trying to raise some funds and try to get a profitability thing up. So FIRS is trying to close up that loophole and all MFPs have to collect stamp duty going forward. I mean, we have announced, Carbon has announced, other people that haven't been charging will soon announce. VFT announced down last year. So, so just expect it. We are just the first ones and everybody insults us. So every fintech that uses an MFP license eventually is going to start charging this thing. Either that or it hits the cost. Uh, FIRS is on a revenue drive and will collect their money. All right. So um, that's all we have on this episode. Um, and yeah, till the next episode, thanks for listening.